This episode of Grunt Work brought to you by the Spirit of Christmas. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Grunt Work. I'm Landon Solano with my co-host, Truman Caps, realizing now that he was supposed to say his name about two seconds sooner. <laughs> Fix it in editing. Yeah. In the spirit of Christmas, I waited two seconds to say my name. It's what we did in my family. That's your tradition? Yeah, yeah. What, what were the Christmas traditions in your family? Uh, arguing. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, yeah. That's what Jesus intended. Uh, sleeping on the couch. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, this was a christmas episode that it we watched was uh we are in the middle of june it is it is rather warm folks in in both southern california as a whole and also the small unventilated room we record this show in <laughs> and even though it could not really it's about as far from christmas it, it is it t- today let's just tell people it's june 15th 15th almost is, six months exactly away we could not be further from christmas six than we currently are and yet, I feel the Christmas spirit so strongly, and I have been feeling it since the very first shot of this episode. Yeah, and the first shot of this episode, this weird crane shot. Well, hold on, let's let's go into the yeah, synopsis. Yeah, we, we got we got too quick. We yeah, got yeah, too yeah. Quick. Let's let's give some context. Uh, and so tell us just real quickly what this episode was about. Well, folks. It's the most wonderful time of the year. So, okay, let's let's back up a bit. Uh, so, as you know, Christ died for our sins, and we we celebrate the day of his birth, which is obviously uh, December 25th and not any other date. Don't believe what anyone else tells you. <laughs> and so in this episode, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas at tool time. It's yeah. Christmas in the Taylor household. Mark uh, is told by his brothers that Santa Claus is dead. Mm-hmm. Tim, not not. Not real. No. But he had died six he, years ago. He was real. You just missed it. He died the same year that Mark was born, which is a particularly devious goof on, <laughs> on the behalf of these rambunctious boys. Indeed. Uh, so Mark is having this crisis, believing that Santa Claus isn't real, or uh, believing that Santa Claus is dead, that he was real and is dead. Tim is having a crisis because one of their neighbors, who every year beats him at the neighborhood Christmas decoration contest, is Mm -hmm. on track to beat him again, and that's giving Tim the vapors in a big way. And Tim and Jill both kind of get the vapors because they tell Mark that Santa Claus is alive, but that's not strictly true either. And then they're in this sticky situation of, well, do we ruin our son's innocence and tell him the truth, or lie to him and try and preserve that innocence in a cold and unforgiving world. And to um, help our viewers who aren't familiar with uh, pre-colonial Southern uh, terminology, what does the vapors mean? The vapors... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think in, in, in olden times, the vapors was a euphemistic way of saying you had a case of the farts. But uh, in this case, I mean the vapors is in they're just agitated and upset. Yes, right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm using meta messages. Uh, Wilson has warned me about this. Do you want me to spell vapors for you, Tim? <laughs> That's the long and short of the the episode. Yeah. Another kind of. It's interesting that this one had an A story and a B story. Yeah. Um. But. None of it still felt pretty light on the just, plot. It just kind of felt like here's some Christmas oriented things. Yeah. Just a whole bunch of things. They're vaguely related. They don't really crescendo to a specific th- moment. In fact, some of the moments just kind of 
fizzle on arrival. Mm-hmm. Like one of the the big moment at the end when the lights, you know, the final like uh, Gris- Clark Griswold moment of yeah. flipping the switch with all the lights going on, just kind of fizzles yeah. the second it happens. There were a lot of ways I expected this episode to go, and it kind of went 30% on all of the ways and <laughs> didn't see any of them through. Yeah. Well, so I think my the best part of the episode was at the beginning, and yeah. how convenient that the beginning is where we start, so we can just get right to... Yeah, we start work. on the set of Tool Time. Yeah. Uh, this, Overhead shot. This crane shot uh, above Tim and his... Uh, Red blazer. Red, yep. <sighs> Sitting in the recliner, talking about... Uh, Christmas safety, I think it was, yeah, right? Yeah, he's got the Christmas tree there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was their big project for the day as they put this uh, Christmas tree together. I'm assuming that was their project. Yeah. Why, uh, L is kind of working with some wiring. Yeah, it's it. how to mend a, a, a frayed wire, oh, I guess. Oh, that's important to know for yes. Christmas. Yes, for all the good it yeah. does them on set. I, I want to say, as we've mentioned, it's as far from Christmas as can be. It is not mm-hmm. Christmassy weather. Not that we ever really get Christmassy weather in right. L.A. The second... We are on set, and from that opening crane shot, moving down on mm-hmm. Tim with... He's in his Christmas decor, and... Lisa's dressed like an elf. Uh, yeah, Lisa, Lisa, finally, they're actually, we actually see her face. She gets some lines. Yeah. She gets something. And Al is wearing this amazing, oh amazing elf hat and hating it so much. It made me laugh. So it's, like, ill-fitting to his head. Oh, it's God. like when people wear uh, baseball caps, but they don't, like pull it down on their head and they just like lay it there yeah that's the way it looks whenever i try to put on a baseball cap actually (laughs) one of these days we'll try it it's because your luscious hair is getting in the way it pushes it up (laughs) uh but the second we get on set with all this christmas stuff i just got the most powerful and overwhelming sense of christmas nostalgia and 90s nostalgia at once because the the like Christmas was always more special to you when you're a kid, and and I was a kid in the 90s. That's when Christmas was special to me, and I, I something about just this very 90s celebration of Christmas. It kind of brought <laughs> this boyish excitement and joy and childhood wonder rushing back into me in a way wow. that I really haven't been able to achieve. It was straight. I just, I'm in a much better <laughs> mood now than I was before we started the episode. Just. <laughs> I, was, Who would have known the last 20 years, all you really needed to recapture that Christmas spirit is to watch Home Improvement. I, you know, that's what we're finding out with this show. I think the reason <laughs> the world has gone off the rails lately is because we haven't been watching and talking about Home Improvement. We're saving the world, man. There's the thesis statement for our podcast, 12 episodes in. Aren't you glad you listened? So they're on set. Al has uh, Al has been handed some wire to do mm-hmm. a demonstration of how to fix a frayed wire. And Tim begins lamenting something that often bothers me at Christmas time, that you spend all of this effort to decorate the front of the Christmas tree, but right. no one ever really sees the back of it. Which but, plays into this idea, or this this thing that I brought up a couple episodes ago, where he's an idea man, he, and his ideas aren't bad. That, this this idea that he has is really good. Yeah. He, has, he puts the, the Christmas tree on a turntable, so it will slowly rotate, so you see the whole tree. Yeah. And I, I was thinking, like, that's pretty brilliant, Tim. Yeah. And when he's explaining the setup of it, Al says, hey, wait, did you plug in the this thing to this thing or this the, to the other thing? I, yeah, I'm not, I didn't I'm catch not, I'm not learning from the show. Right. I'm not, we're not picking anything up here. <laughs> but but he asks Tim if he – he basically says, hey, Tim, did you do it right or did, did you, you do, do it wrong? Did you do the things that you need to do? Yeah, and Tim says, of course I did it right. And he has uh, Lisa 
turn on the turntable, yep. and the tree starts just gently rotating, and yeah, all the lights are on. Very nice, and, serene little thing. And I look at this, and this is how dumb I am. This is what a dumb guy I am. I think, oh, in honor of Christmas, they're going to just have Tim do a thing and have it not go wrong. <laughs> in the opening scene. Of course. And then, big shower sparks from the thing. The tree starts spinning faster and faster and faster. Spitting out. Throwing, throwing ornaments yep. left and right. Uh, Lisa screams and runs off stage. Good acting there. Pamela Anderson finally doing something more than just handing out mail. I like it. Yeah. Uh, that's not on her. That's on the producers yeah, and the writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not... Yeah, if she was given more to work <laughs> with, I'm sure. Uh, Tim is taking cover behind the recliner, and as the tree spins and spins faster and faster, yeah. uh, eagle-eyed observers will notice that it appears as though one of the ornaments on the tree has been composited in in post-production. Yeah. And then that... That fake ornament flies off and into the screen, and uh-oh, guys, it was a transition all along. Oh, my God. And and this is what takes us to the next scene. Yeah, and I actually um, found out that it was the editor's idea to do these transitions. Really? Yeah. Unfortunately, he's since passed away, so I don't think we're going to get a lot of uh, new information out of it. Well, but... you know who else I said was dead? Santa Claus. He died six years ago. <sighs> <laughs> Or was he ever real? Are you just going to lie to me? There was never an editor for this show. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if this whole show was in-camera editing? That the, the cast was just that good, they nailed it every time. Oh my time. god. Um, one thing, I want to just touch on this this Christmas tree idea, though. Even though I think it's a brilliant idea, um, I don't understand the, the mechanics of it. Because it had lights on it, which means it has to be plugged into a source... And if it's spinning, wouldn't that just wrap the wire around the base of the tree? Probably would. Yeah. So what you're saying is had the, had Tim not screwed up the generator, something would have screwed this up one way or another. It's just that, that, that nature would have taken its course and the tree would have gotten wrapped up. Yeah. And just probably unplugged itself from the outlet. Yeah. But had Tim not had the foresight to fuck up the turntable and have that be the thing's downfall instead. It was basically a race. Which way was going to fail first? <laughs> right. Exactly. Kind of a natural selection. Yeah. Well. Or or divine selection. It is divine, Christmas yeah, after that's all. Very true. God chooses which decorations <laughs> live and which die. Uh, oh, we go back home. Or did you have something? Before else? we go back home, yeah, I, just, yeah. I should address it now, guys. The grunt count. Oh my god. For this episode. Oh yeah, because it starts in this scene. Yeah. Uh, the the juggernaut number that we have here. Fifty five grunts that's... in one episode. Can you spell that for me? F-I-F-T-Y dash F-I-V-E. 55 grunts. Series grunt count is up to 226 now. And I want to tell you, all of those grunts, like we were saying last time, they all come in a cluster at the beginning of the episode when Tim leads the entire audience in grunting jingle bells. Going around the tree going... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's kind of doing a Bing Crosby dance around the set. Yeah, you can see him kind of splayed across a piano yeah. as, as it goes. And then he eventually gets the entire audience to grunt the carol. And I didn't record the audience's grunting, because this is just Tim grunt count. It's yeah. not everyone else's grunt count. Get Be be easy, folks. Uh, but so he does it there, and then they also replay that, that clip of him doing those grunts over the ending credits and it counts twice folks it does and i'll give extra legitimacy to it because it's a different take it's not the same exact take rain man (laughs) well i only i only picked that up because when he does it uh live on tool time he has this little pause between um 
when he goes behind the Christmas tree and like peeks out and like continues the song, which the pause was not there and it was kind of a different variation on it uh, during the end credits. Well, you know, or maybe uh, someone took the sound file of him grunting the song on set and he, they just shortened it in the spaces mm. where there's dead air, which Could be. sometimes happens when people work with audio as a format. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, okay, so the next scene, we go yeah, to the yeah, Taylor we go, household. We're, we're going back home now uh, after tool time. The kids are just getting home from uh, what Jill calls tryouts <laughs> as opposed to auditions for the school pageant. Well, is tryouts versus auditions like soda versus pop? Is that a Midwest thing? Uh, no. Okay. Tryouts is sports. I, I'm, this is just coming from being yelled at <laughs> as a former actor, having been yelled at, calling them tryouts before having another actor go, they are auditions, not tryouts. We are not at soccer practice. <laughs> as a four-year member of my high school's marching band, I once referred to soccer practice as soccer rehearsals. <laughs> Because I was just a 16-year-old Niles Crane. Uh, <laughs> so we've all been there. We've all, we've all, us artsy kids can't be counted on to get our nomenclature right. Um, but yeah, they, they come home from this pageant and both Brad and Randy uh, had tried out, if you want to go with Jill's terminology. Which doesn't also strike me as the sort of thing they do. They seem like the kids who'd be, like, they don't seem like the sort of kids who are, yeah, I want to be in the school play. They seem like the kids who are going to be under the bleachers setting things on fire. I would 100% agree with you as far as Brad is concerned, but Randy, we haven't really got too much of his character yet. Uh, I mean, outside of him being rambunctious and kind of, you know... Uh, showboaty. Showboaty, I was thinking scheming is the word I was ah, looking yes. for. And when I think about that, like, what better scheme than like having a script and just like play acting yeah you get to live out those dangerous fantasies that he's <laughs> doing in real life in a safe place yeah uh so i can kind of follow the train of logic as far as randy's uh and that's really what plays out is randy's arc with uh with this acting anyway yeah um brad is kind of He's a little miffed when he comes home from auditions that he got stuck as uh shepherd the shepherd but he accepts his role pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Randy's the one that wanted to be Joseph and lost out to uh, George Lonigan. Who in the hell is naming these kids in Detroit? Bob and Stinky from last episode. George in this episode. Uh, <laughs> there was some comedian on Dr. Katz years ago, if we're going for 90s references, who had a whole <laughs> bit about how you never... There's people out there named, like, Bob and Ernie and George, but you never meet kids named Bob and Ernie and George. And he was theorizing that kids, like, when they turn 21 or something, kids with names like Tyler or Zach <laughs> go to some store and exchange their kid names for grown-up blue-collar names like <laughs> Bob and George and Steve. Uh, when are we going to do that? I, I don't know, man. I, I'm already I think, 35. I yeah, to... I think that store closed down in the 90s. I think that store <laughs> died six years ago. We're never going to be able to get real names. We're stuck uh, with our eccentric, weird only child names forever. Well, that's what I'm going to ask for, for uh, from Santa this year. We've got plenty of time to make your list. Dear Santa, I want to be a Roger. <laughs> What's your grown-up name? My grown-up name? Oh, man. Definitely. It's like Steve or Mike. Would you go by Steve or Mike, or would you go by Michael or Steven? Wait, no. Carl. Carl. Oh, perfect. Carl's my yeah. name, with a C. Yep. Anyhow, so Randy's kind of uh, pissy about losing off this uh, this thing, and thus begins his um, uh, relationship with Jill throughout this episode, which... 
Yeah. Is like, I'm starting to recognize uh, that Randy is, it's weird. He doesn't strike me as a mama's boy, but he definitely relates a lot more to Jill than Brad. We've talked about being yeah. more a Tim guy. Yeah. He, Mark is too young to fall in one direction or the other. Yeah. Mark is, Mark is, his whole personality is defined by being picked on by his sociopath older brothers. But I, yeah, then, I, I think that plays out. Uh, by the end of the series, yeah, plays out in a way that is consistent with that. So it, it so it, the last scene of the series is Mark rocking back and forth in a corner, <laughs> whimpering, kind of. Well, you know what? A couple episodes episodes ago, uh, we had you theorize theorize on what happens to Mark. What does Mark become by the end of the series? So let's go back to that. What What do you think Mark turns into? Who does Mark become by the end of this series? By the end of this series. I think I see now Mark becoming an investigative journalist because he is he has been lied to so much that it has made him bitter and angry about the world and he becomes obsessed with this quest for truth because what is Mark's arc in most of these episodes except a quest for knowledge and a quest for truth what is any character's arc in any piece of media if not a quest for knowledge and truth but but I think except this piece of media well yes yeah well this is the note that I made why does I mean, we're jumping ahead, but yeah. Mark is Mark is told by his brothers that Santa Claus has been dead for years, yeah. and he just takes it hook, line, and sinker. Never mind that f- three, four, five times now, his brothers have lied to him. He's taken it yeah. at face value, told his parents. His parents have said they're full of it, and then, in some cases, orchestrated pranks to get back at his brothers, but he still believes them. Not to split hairs here, but uh, the way that that scene unfolds is really kind of interesting. The... Mark is asking about Santa and Brad and Randy kind of walk over and have a moment with him that was a real moment. And they're like, listen, they're kind of like looking out for him. Randy's yeah. like, look, you're getting old enough now that if you keep believing in this, you're going to start to get picked on. Yeah. And it seems like they're wanting to guide him in the right place. They show some but, real concern. Yeah. Having cried wolf too many times. Mark is the one that immediately goes, you guys are lying. You're poop heads. Oh, man, he drops the the PH word. (laughs) So, yes, what you said is correct, but it's... is Mark kind of is the impetus for bringing it back to the the bullying? Yeah, which is just like I mean, that's it's still on Randy's head to just go. Okay, I can't obviously let a sincere moment go by. I have yeah. to go back to tormenting him. But yeah, there is a weird dynamic there. Yeah, Wait, I gotta ask you this. Ask me. Mark comes out. We're we're going back to the scene. Mark comes out. Uh, his first introduction is him going up to Jill with his Christmas list. Yes, and it's you know comically long on computer paper. That's the note I wrote. He wrote this. He printed this out on dot matrix paper, the kind that had the like uh, periphery yeah, edges. Yeah, you, you, you that, tear the stuff yeah, up. And it made me yearn. I wish they had added the dot matrix sound effect in there. To, yeah. Did he print it on dot matrix paper or did he just get a long length of dot matrix paper and write on it? Because as a kid, I would write and draw comics and stuff on just long strips of dot matrix paper from my dad's office. Why you got to ruin Christmas for me? I, it's because <laughs> it's because dot matrix printers died six years ago, Landon. Oh, it was all a lie. Now I want to believe in something that isn't true. I'm going to milk that died six years ago joke because it's the only one I can come up with on the fly. <laughs> so he comes out with this massive list and gives it to Jill. And Jill is, uh, you know, playing the, the parent on the, the fence of like, how do, how do I continue this Santa charade? 
And she's like, you know, uh, you might need to consolidate this list a little bit. There's no way Santa. What was the excuse she gave? Uh, it's going to be too heavy yeah, for yeah. a sleigh. Yeah, his sleigh, won't, his sleigh won't be able to fly yeah. if you put all these things on the list. So he uh, he crosses off a number of things. Um, kind of he, he says, I'm going to have to cross off my Cocker Spaniel. Bye, Floppy. All right, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you you, you did made, the you perfect made, setup here, you made a p- pained noise when that was on screen. So I'm going to point to something in this room. Okay. It's going to be bad for the podcast listeners, but <laughs> we were recording this oh. in my bedroom. I'm pointing to a stuffed animal in the corner of this room that oh is a God. a dog. Yep, a cocker spaniel. Oh, Landon. <laughs> that I got because it looked like my cocker spaniel when I was growing up. Do you have any idea what that stuffed animal's name is? Well, I'd be a fool to not guess Floppy. <laughs> yeah, it's Floppy. Wh- How did you I, not I mention can, this? I cannot imagine that I got the name Floppy from this episode, but the coincidence just blew my mind. How? That's that's Da Vinci Code shit. That's amazing. Well, maybe it's not Da Vinci Code, but it's definitely interesting. <laughs> You've got... <laughs> You you had a dog. You had a cocker spaniel yep. named Floppy. No, the cocker the our dog's name was uh, Jessica. Oh, okay. But you got let's not okay. go into that. Still, you have a stuffed <laughs> cocker spaniel yeah. called Floppy. Yes, same name as the imaginary cocker spaniel that Mark wanted on Home Improvement in 1991. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's pretty crazy. It was it was like. Uh, Charles Foster Kane whispering Rosebud. There was clearly something <laughs> from your childhood that was affecting you very deeply. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I, I had a really big emotional reaction at the end of this episode, but I feel like that took me so far off guard that it made me that much more nostalgic and emotional when, uh, spoiler alert, Santa appears. <sighs> I, let's let's pause on that for a second because that needs its that needs a lot of time. Yeah, the, can I just say this episode has touched both of us in a really deep place that I never I would have expected Home Improvement to do, much <laughs> less twelve episodes in. <laughs> so we also learn in this scene that um, this is where Tim is competing with uh, uh, what was his name. <laughs> Doc Johnson. Doc Johnson. <laughs> For the Christmas lights uh, competition in the neighborhood. Doc Johnson, a 76-year-old retired proctologist. Holy cow, I missed that. After after a long career of working with butts, he decided to retire and just slay the annual Christmas decoration competition every year. He may have been doing it while he was still slaying ass. <laughs> <laughs> And by that, I didn't. I wasn't referring to his vocation. I was also just referring to him being um, a player in yeah, the field. Just, he's out there at the bars every night getting girls back home with him. That's actually why he's not a doctor anymore, because he lost his license. Because it turns out they hate it when you sleep with your patients. They oh. hate that. And you know what they... And, and also, I mean, you know, you know where they were doing it. Him and his proctologist when he's sleeping with his clients. In his office? Yeah, they were, yeah, they were doing it in his office. So Jill gets on Tim because uh, what what Randy tells them is that the reason that George Lonigan got the part of Joseph, even mm-hmm. though George Lonigan uh, is not much of an actor, can't remember lines, yeah. but his dad built the entire set for the Christmas pageant, right. so it's a nepotism thing. Yeah. And Jill is getting kind of all upset with Tim, saying, well, why didn't you build the set? Our boy should have been the one in the play, not right. George Lonigan. And so she sets out on this quest to make... Randy the best damn innkeeper in Bethlehem. That's right, because Randy got cast as the innkeeper. Yeah. Which has one line that everybody knows, apparently. And the line is, there's no more... I I didn't even remember what the line was. There's no more room at the inn. It's in the Bible, dude, and I don't even expect you to know what's in the Bible, because I don't, but that's like the one bit. 
That's the thing the innkeeper says. Oh, I didn't see that play. You didn't see the Bible? <laughs> you didn't even see it on, on History Channel on Easter? So after all is said and done, this scene ends with Mark sitting on the couch, grappling with the notion, or the knowledge, that Santa Claus has been dead for six years. Right. And we get this... The camera kind of settles down, and it just sits on him sitting there looking glum, and then it rack focuses from him to this little, like, Santa Claus on a sleigh decoration. figurine yeah, in yeah, the foreground. Yeah, yeah it's sitting on it, sitting there in front of him. And he's looking at it, and then it just falls over on its side. Yeah. And the whole audience goes, aww. And I'm sitting there thinking, wait, he just moved that thing with his mind. <laughs> That's not the, not the only supernatural thing to happen in this episode. The, yeah, this this show is uh, this show is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm thinking, or the X Men, or something. <laughs> so, Mark, are you posing a new theory that Mark is uh, a mutant that he he is developing as he's approaching puberty? His first uh, first wave mutant power is coming out. Yes, and I changed my answer. He's not a journalist. He is Wolverine, <laughs> with a completely different set of telekinesis powers, but. Wolverine. An alternate universe Wolverine. Or is it Dr. Jean Grey who has the telekinesis powers? Yeah, she has. Well, she's a telepath and, um... Which is a telepath and telekinesis? He's a power hog, man. He can't have two. <laughs> Lots of powers happening in the X-Men universe. More powers. God damn it. <laughs> and <laughs> Truman takes a really prideful sip of his water. Pinky up. <laughs> All right, well, we come back after Santa Claus has fallen over through uh, active carry-ish telekinesis, and um, Jill has uh, started to dress JTT, as we'll call him, uh, in this uh, outfit that she bought. I noticed in this scene, they uh, she so she wraps him in this like gold uh, cape yeah. and gives him this really uh, stereotypical... I don't even know what the term for that hat would be. Bible hat. Yeah, it's just, it's a big poofy looking. Yeah, it's a very nativity yeah. scene hat. Yeah. Uh, as Tim calls him Alibaba at some point, all sorts of uh, kind of insensitive. Uh... Yeah. He's just talking about the Chinese delivery service. <laughs> right. Anyhow, what I noticed in this scene is that uh, they are really pushing JTT in this moment as an actor. Yeah. Uh, they're like giving him his, his due, yeah. if you will. Because uh, Jill's like, all right, why don't you practice on me? Like, give me, give me some line readings, and they, he, you know, delivers his first line in a certain way, and then she's like, okay, well, make it a little, you know, give it a little more, and then he like really overacts and like cries and like puts his head on his shoulder, and like it feels like the producers of the show going, I think we have a star here, but we need to test him a little bit and give him some stuff to do. Yeah, let's let him flex his muscles. Let's write. Let's let's write in a uh, let's write in a scene where. Our actor has to act, yeah, and really kind of actception. Well, and that's and that. This isn't just to be disparaging to Jonathan Taylor Thomas, of course just not. You against dare. children actors and how they're handled in general. But it it's always really hard for me to swallow a kid forcing the acting, even yeah. if he's a natural like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It's just it's a little, I don't know, like hard to swallow. Yeah. Um, and so Randy was starting to rub me the wrong way in this episode. What I've noticed in the last couple is that they have... I think we, we've long theorized that there will come a power struggle when when Randy will usurp Mark as the favorite child yep. of the of the fan base. And I think that's already kind of getting set up. I think mm -hmm. that there, there are writers and producers now who are kind of agitating for Randy to be more the focus because he's getting more yep. big lines. Mark is purely cute and naive, and Randy is 
kind of the the home improvement answer to Bart Simpson almost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I feel like most '90s things had to have that at some point. Yeah, but just like the early Simpsons, Bart was at his best when he was competing with Homer. Yes, I feel like. JTT's at his best when he's being contentious with Tim, yeah. throwing stuff back in his face. Yeah. Uh, when he told the joke on the last episode, it just felt so off-putting. Yeah. And likewise, in this episode, there are a lot of those moments where it's just, it doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He can come off as very smug. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Smug is a really good term for it. So also, this is the first episode I am aware of that has kind of made a thing of the fact that Tim hurts himself a lot. Uh Mm. Tim is talking about how he's going to try and go all out to beat yeah. Doc Johnson this year with with the decorations on the roof. And Jill says, oh, does that mean I'm going to be driving you to the emergency room again this year? And Tim says, when was the, when was the last time you drove into the emergency room? And she says, the 80s. <laughs> I mean, it becomes like a symbol of the show that Tim is always injured. Right. And this is kind of the first time that it's been introduced. Not just that he's a fuck up, but that it always winds up right. by him Right, and you're himself. referring to... Uh, that being within the the universe of the show, yeah, not I mean because we've already seen a consistent pattern of him hurting himself, but yeah. it's referred to within the characters on the show itself as like, okay, we know that you are accident prone. He has a reputation. A reputation, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I can't really ref- uh, think of another um moment in the previous episodes where that's been addressed before at least so directly and and now because they're going all in because uh well later on he's he's on a first name basis with the firemen who come to help him when he gets into some trouble yeah and did you happen to recognize uh the actor i don't i would be surprised was it bob odenkirk (laughs) no but i would love to see him on an episode i'm saying for a second there it looked like but no yeah one of the two actors playing these firemen was yeah looked familiar the like main main he's credited as fireman one Mm. uh is david warshawski uh he is in tons of stuff uh from taken captain phillips there will be blood um and there will be blood he plays the like banker that uh um does, uh, does daniel lewis threaten to cut his throat he i can't remember if that's him or not i'm going to come he into goes your house over. at night and cut your throat it, it, actually it might be lewis. actually he, it's the one where he goes over, they're like having a meeting separate from Daniel Plainview, the, and he goes over and he like just really injects himself and goes, do you see my son over there? Yeah. At the counter, you know, like. Is that the, is that the scene where he puts a napkin over yes, his face? Yes. That is such an unsettling moment. It's a very bizarre scene. Yeah. yeah. So David Warshawski has a movie coming out this year. This is going to blow your mind. Wilson. No. Yeah. <laughs> is it a spinoff of the movie Castaway? <laughs> No. Oh. It's a spinoff of Home Improvement. Oh, man. It's about it's about <laughs> Santa Claus. But, actually, it stars Woody Harrelson. If you want to do our Cheers, Frasier, Home Ooh. Improvement crossover. Well, I, I this still is, do. This is, this is stretching it a little bit. But, yeah. uh, anyhow, another another uh, tried and true character actor making an appearance here on Home Improvement. Home Improvement was just, it's sort of inside the actor's studio. They just get everybody, all the all the big names come through. The The Tool Time audience asks them questions. Yeah. Everybody gets a free trucker hat. <laughs> well, and w- one thing not uh, one thing that I want to say about the, the character actors is that uh, one thing I love that the producers do on the show is like they give these actors something to do. It's not just come in, say a line, you know, I thinking back to like Stephen Root, um, mm-hmm. even Sir Larry, even though it was kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, they have a character. It's not just 
a person filling a scene. Think of, uh, you know, Touchdown Rick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we haven't talked about him in a while. Yeah, man. But that's a character that could be such a throwaway, forgettable thing. Every character actor that's coming on this has some sort of personality and they're bringing something to the roles. It's true. Like the firemen are all kind of snarky mm-hmm. and they make little jokes. And uh, yeah, Stephen Root, the exterminator, has this kind of kind of air about him that he, yeah. he's almost taking joy in scaring Tim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They all they're, they're they're not just throwaways. They all contribute to the scene, too. They're, they're they're bouncing off of Tim as much as Tim is bouncing off of them. Yeah. So Tim goes out back. He talks to Wilson about this uh, Christmas, these Christmas decoration issues. Yeah, it's a, it's a one of the usually there's we get two Wilson yeah. scenes per episode. This is the shorter of the two. Yeah, it's not the I have a problem scene. Yeah, just kind of a what are you what are you up to scene. And and the biggest part from the I think you know the the top Wilson line from the episode. He I think he asks Wilson something about Christmas decorations or what Wilson is putting up, and Wilson says. Yeah, I decorate on the inside, Tim. I have a tree in my heart, a wreath in my mind, and a star in my soul. And Tim says, do you plug it into your belly button? <laughs> <laughs> there's And there's some God stuff we can look at there, but, I, you know, yeah, he contains uh, multitudes listen, of we, decorations. Listen, we've got a lot to unpack with Wilson later. Tim is actually, I mean, there is decorations on the fence, but it looks like Tim is putting it up. Which actually rose the question in my head. Whose fence is it? Well, who... Whose fence is anybody's fence? I mean, all fences <laughs> divide two different properties. Well, yes, but it has to be on one property or the other, and one of them had to have constructed it. I don't know. I don't. There are some questions that I don't think can be answered. <laughs> I, I'm going to throw this toward uh, the what we touched on last week uh, of Wilson having this fear of public or whatever mm. going outside. So the fence looks pretty old. I'm assuming it was probably there before the Taylors moved in. Uh, maybe Wilson lived in this house with his mother, uh, going a little Norman Bates with it. But um, he put up the fence because he didn't, you know, he wanted to keep himself private. Uh, that would make the most sense to me. Yeah, yeah. But does the other, I don't know how fences work. Uh, well, they divide to... <laughs> Opposing pieces of property to Some keep people and animals from getting side to side. Is this like an insane clown posse thing? It's like magnets. Do you need me to get on that too? You son of a bitch. Because I don't know how magnets work, so I can't help you there. Only fences. So I'm looking at the rest of the episode here, yeah. and really, I think the the ending is kind of the big bit. I mean, I yeah, think let's we can go, go around and sur- so okay. Well, because it the- is the next scene. Well, Tim goes up onto the roof to set up Christmas decorations. Right. A bunch of like... Which we get kind of a new set. We haven't really seen the roof. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first time we ever see the roof of the house, and it's the closest we come to ever getting a full exterior, at least so far. Yeah. And I don't think we ever do get a full facade. Yeah. But he's trying to to set up the decorations on the roof, uh, and in the process of doing that, he trips and falls and gets his tongue stuck to the metal of the hammer, because it's cold (laughs) and snowy outside, and then he slips... And gets whacked repeatedly in the face by the rotating Santa. Yeah. But he doesn't fall off the roof. And that was where I was thinking this was going to go. Yeah, I feel like that... I mean, that was done in Christmas Vacation only, ah. uh, what, 1988? So a couple years yeah. before. Um, yeah, I think that that would have been... And plus, that's a in a, a effects-heavy episode. That would have been a lot to, yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, maybe down the line, once they know that they're renewed for another seven seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they'll like, okay, we got, the, we got the money to do this. Let's have them go off the roof every episode. Yeah. Uh, so, that's a funny thing. Fire department has to come to get his tongue unstuck. Yep. And then, he goes and talks to Wilson again. Oh, yeah, well, the, so... Yeah, this is where he brings up the problem of Mark... 
yeah. After his tongue gets unstuck, mm-hmm. Mark comes in and, as usual, tells them, hey, the, you know, Brad and Randy told me that Santa's dead. And yeah, they wasting tell him, no time. He just walks in the room going, Brad and Randy told me Santa died six years ago. Mom, Dad, we've gone through this a lot where I get some lie and then have to <laughs> let you guys know that, I, that I've that i been told this lie, so I'm just going to cut to the chase so I can learn the truth that much faster. But so they tell him, no, Santa's totally alive. And but they, they they lament over having to lie to their kid. And yeah. Like, because Mark legitimately says, oh, I know that he must be alive because you guys would never lie to me. Which, what kid says that to his parents? Like, what kid fires that guilt missile straight into their faces? <laughs> I, know you guys I don't know. I wish I knew that growing up because it would have, uh, I feel like, given me a lot to yeah, work with. Yeah, it'd give you a weapon to do some psychological damage to your parents yeah, in exactly. return. Uh <laughs> So he says that thing to them and walks away and Tim says to Jill, well, we just, we just lied to him. And she says something like, oh, oh, it's okay. And Tim just with great concern says, I hope you're right. And off this very somber note, Christmas tree wipes across the screen (laughs) to take us outside. That was another one of those moments that I was talking about earlier that just kind of like fizzled in a weird way. It wasn't a fizzle so much, but just kind of a a weird lackluster, uh, a weird energy to transition on. This becomes the main plot line of the episode is, oh, are we going to lie to Mark about the existence of Santa Claus or not? We're already 15 minutes into the episode. We're pretty deep in there. I if this was going to be the thing, I feel like today, in the first two minutes of the show, oh, this yeah. would have come up and the whole episode would have been them agonizing yeah. over it. But this is just kind of in this Robert Altman-esque milieu of things going on in the Taylor household. Right. This happened to be the one that stuck. Yeah. And then Tim takes that and goes outside to ask Wilson his, you know, just like Mark comes to them yeah. with his problem. Tim goes outside to Wilson with his problem and says... You know, listen, we got a Mark is at the age where, you know, he's questioning the existence of Santa, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And Wilson goes into this whole spiel about, you know, uh, or actually Tim Tim is lamenting over not being able to get the um, remote control dinosaur, which apparently was a thing. That, yeah, um, it's the, the one thing that, that Mark wants most of all. Yeah. That, then the fact that they can't find any more of them, this hasn't come up until this moment late in the episode. Yeah. Wilson's like, well, you know. It's Christmas. Uh, miracles can happen. You never know what might what Santa might bring. Yeah. And Tim's like, ah, oh, ha ha ha, Wilson. I have a problem. I can't get my kid. Yeah. <laughs> the toy that he wants. Even though I've you haven't seen me making any effort to get this toy until now. <laughs> right. Just take me at face value that I've been trying. Yeah. So they go back in, and Tim has kind of reluctantly accepted that he won't be able to win the decoration competition. Yeah. And then Mark asks them some more tough questions about Santa Claus and the logistics of how to do it. And Tim and Jill start giving him the they're, tough They're like talk. about to break it to him. It's like, yeah. som- you, sometimes you learn things in life. The Easter Bunny, the yeah. Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy. And then there's a knock on the door. And they open the door. And who should it be but Santa Claus with the lower half of his face obscured by a beard <laughs> and the voice of Wilson. <laughs> Roughly the same height as well. Yeah. yeah. And, every, and you know, Brad and Randy and Tim and Jill all recognize it as Wilson right yeah. away. So he comes in. He's got he's got a bag. He pulls, he's, oh, ho, ho, ho. I, you know, the Christmas spirit is important, even though I'm here a little bit early. All, yeah. all these nice things. And he gives Mark a remote-controlled dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And as this whole thing is going on, what I noticed is Tim and Jill are like, oh, it's Santa Claus. Like, they're surprised by this. But they're, oh, hey, it's Santa. Yeah. They're, they seem mildly amused, but not like, they're not totally 
diving into it and totally backing him up. And they also don't seem especially... They're just kind of treating it like, up oh, just another day. Yeah. And for me, if I was in... If I was in the middle of this kind of uh, fraught moment in my young son's life and my neighbor took it upon himself without me asking to dress up as Santa and come over and affirm my son's belief in Santa Claus, I would be, in that moment, I would be very emotional. I'm like, yes, it's him. Yes, Wilson, thank you so much. Because it's a sweet thing that he's doing, that we're led to believe this is Wilson doing this. That's the reaction I had watching it. I got so choked up as soon as that door opened and we saw Wilson as Santa. I I almost couldn't contain... I was like... Am I going to cry in front of Truman? <laughs> I would never have let you men. live it down. <laughs> just, two, just two dudes in a sweltering apartment watching the Christmas episode of Home Improvement in crying. June. Cry. I'm just sweating. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> but seriously, it like it really choked me up. It was a sweet moment. It was a sweet thing. Yeah. Brad and Randy then are saying, so Santa Claus, what'd you get for us? And Wilson, who has apparently been taking improv classes, goes over and says, well, I know you don't believe in me anymore, but I got you a rubber band and you a button. <laughs> Which I feel like I, I didn't quite get that. I mean, is it like a, a coal thing? Some sort of I, supplication for that? I think it's that he wasn't planning on a gift for them, and then they asked for it, and he yeah. just, just, yes, and these are the gifts. <laughs> I just happened to have a button in my pocket and a rubber band around yeah, my wrist. Yeah, he pulled the button off the suit and the rubber band, yeah. it was like it was around his wrist. But how do you explain the gift he had for Tim and Jill? That I don't know. And he pulls out mistletoe for yep. Tim and Jill, and he holds it up over Jill, and let, let's see if it works. Yeah. And Jill kisses him, and I'm like, whoa, pal. On the mouth. Yeah. Yeah, Jill having having weird energy with Al, weird energy with Wilson, weird energy with Rondal. Good thing she didn't <laughs> get too close to Sir Larry. <laughs> right. Uh, and you went, hey, get it, girl. You yeah. know what? It's, you know, that ring on your finger, it's just, you know, don't go too far, but remember who you're coming home to. I'm not <laughs> judging. Uh, and then he holds it up to Tim as well, and Tim doesn't, because men don't kiss. That's yeah, gross. They just right. dress up like women occasionally and tell their kids not to talk about it. <laughs> Yo, yeah, do you, I mean, am, am I taking, am well, I, ta- am I taking control of this no, too no, much? No, no, no. Yeah. it's... Well, I, yeah, I this just, resonated with you in a big exactly, way. I, yeah, I, I was super emotional about the whole thing. But so let, let's go into the twist, though. So yeah. w- Wilson, you know, gives everyone their gifts and like says, "Oh, ho, ho, Merry Christmas!" I'm off to the North Pole. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Walks out the front door, and uh, Tim is, you know, secretly whispering to Will uh, to Jill, like, "That was, you know, really yeah, nice." Wilson, Wilson is a good neighbor. Yeah, that, what? How about that, Wilson? She goes. You mean that Wilson? And points out the back window to Wilson, who's behind the fence in Wilson garb. Yeah. Looking looking out up at the stars at Santa flying away. Well, he's just waving at them, but then we... Birdman style. Yeah, yes. This is, <laughs> this is a classic Birdman moment uh, that Birdman probably ripped off. But we, we cut to Mark, who's gone over to the front door and is oh, looking right. out the door. And he's we hear sleigh bells, and he's looking up into the sky... With this look of pure awe and joy and yeah. wonderment. Very, like, uh, get Close a, Encounters of the Third Kind Can you get moment. a gif of just him just standing there, like, not really moving? But uh, I think so, Sherman. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, and so we, we see him just watching Santa fly away. And what, I, you know, we mentioned last week the possibility of a prestige machine being in the mix. Yeah, the same thought came up uh, to me, but you, you said it in response to Tim. Yeah. Uh, this one's in response to Wilson. Well, if you had to choose between Tim or Wilson... To, well, actually, that's a... Because I feel like either Tim or Wilson would have built a prestige machine, but the mm-hmm. difference is that Wilson's would work. It's true. But if we go with the theory that he's God, 
God is everywhere. God is one, basically one big prestige machine. Exactly. So he can be in two places at once. Ba- Wilson, who is God, used his God powers to pretend to be Santa Claus... So all this notion, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of people who say that that we need to put Christ back into Christmas and kids are too obsessed with Santa Claus, but yeah. this would suggest that God is a okay with Santa Claus. Yeah, because so, it's all about the the giving spirit. Yeah. So, and if we're to believe that, that was just actually Santa Claus who showed up, even if we don't believe, you take that, it at face value. Even if you're even if you're a heathen who doesn't believe that Wilson is God, Wilson makes <laughs> this enigmatic statement to Tim, like, "Well, miracles can happen. You can get the remote control dinosaur." So that suggests that even if he's not God and not portraying Santa Claus, Wilson has a direct line to Santa Claus <laughs> and just called him and was like, "Santa Claus, I need some help. By the way, you're my brother." Isn't what? Isn't there? Uh... Isn't there a movie about that? Isn't wait? Isn't Fred Claus that movie? Oh shit! Where Paul, Paul Giamatti's playing? Um, well, Paul Giamatti is Santa Claus. Yeah, and Vince Vaughn comes in to as his brother. Yeah, to like take over the business because he's like on vacation yeah. or something. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so in while they were getting set up for the Santa Claus with Tim Allen, Fred Claus is kind of being <laughs> written on the DL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a wild and wooly episode of this podcast. Yes, but, uh, it really has. But, but this was a wild and wooly episode. It took us to some strange places mm-hmm. and made us feel some things we're not used to feeling. That's right. I liked it. I thought it was, not again, not a great episode, but certainly fun to watch. And it and it made me feel some things. Yeah, uh, it definitely hit me in the feels as well. Um, this is uh, also interesting in that it is the halfway point of the season. Oh, yeah. So we are halfway done with season one. Oh, my God. How do you feel? I feel good. Yeah, no, I feel real good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just excited to see the the changes that the show kind of uh, fills out and works itself into. Um, yeah. Just as everyone's still kind of clicking into their roles. Um, yeah. I know, it's just exciting. I, I love revisiting. In the, in the, yeah. Yeah. Landon, Merry Christmas. Oh, Happy New Year. Ah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> in six months. Yeah. The, the, I'm not going to wish you Merry Christmas in six months because I've done it now. I'm getting it out of the way. <laughs> Very fair. If you want to see the show notes for today's episode, and you, you do, <laughs> you can uh, catch all those at our website, which is gruntworkpodcast.com. Trying to over-enunciate those. Um, and if you want to ask us any longer questions, uh, you can always email us at info, I-N-F-O, at gruntworkpodcast.com. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the the places that the people are. <laughs> all the places where the people why do we we keep infusing cosby into this podcast i don't know why (laughs) well Um, he's forcing himself on us we don't want him on this podcast but (laughs) you can find us at those places at grunt work pod that's our handle there and if you are listening to this episode in a um podcatcher like uh i podcatcher people don't say that no people say podcatcher do they all right yeah the Uh, podcatcher in the rye god you're killing me here if you're listening to this on one of your favorite podcast uh, stations, you can uh, leave us a comment, rating, review. That would be super helpful. Uh, and most importantly, uh, if you could share this episode, if you think that uh, anyone would enjoy it, please share it on your social networks. We try to make that as easy as possible. It makes a great Christmas gift and an even better Fourth of July <laughs> gift. It does, if for no one else but Truman and I. Yeah. We appreciate it, and we would like that. for That's but, our Christmas gift. But, but don't share it with us, because we already know about the podcast. <laughs> We're making it. That would be that would be a waste of your time and ours. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. That's all we got. Uh, do you know what time it is? It's Christmas time. <laughs>